Well, God bless you. Welcome to the Wonderful Words of Life radio program. We are continuing our study in the Olivet Discourse, and we are in Matthew chapter 24. Uh, we're going to back up uh, one verse to verse 14, and we're going to start there. And I just want you to know that uh, these are prophecies. I say prophecies because we'll also mention the revelation that Jesus, that John received on the Isle of Patmos and the prophecy that Jesus is giving to his disciples that uh, was fulfilled on 70 A.D. and will be fulfilled during the Great Tribulation period. So we want to make sure that we understand that the words of Jesus are real, they're true, they've been confirmed and will be confirmed as we go along in this church age towards the end of it. So let's go ahead and pray, and we'll get right into the Word of God. Father, we bless you. We thank you for the Holy Spirit who will guide and direct us into these things. And Father, we give you praise and honor and glory for it. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Praise God. All right, we're going to back up. We Last uh, session, we... Uh, stopped at verse 14, and we're going to back up and read that again. Matthew 24, beginning in verse 14, And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations, and then shall the end come. Now, Paul himself said that the gospel of Christ was preached to the known world during his lifetime. And, uh, and the King James Version mentions that the gospel was preached uh, throughout all the world or to all the world. Now, I want to read to you another translation, today's English version, and it goes like this, and we find this in Colossians chapter 1 and verse 23. You must, of course, continue faithful on a firm and sure foundation and must not allow yourselves to be shaken from the hope you gained when you heard the gospel. It is of this gospel that I, Paul, became a servant, this gospel which has been preached to everybody in the world. Now, what does Paul mean by that? Well, the world, the world is translated from the Greek uh, phrase uh, te ikomene, and with the definite article means the inhabited earth. And so, the writers of the New Testament and the early scholars of the New Testament uh, understood this context to mean the Roman Empire. So Paul's statement to the Colossians meant the whole Roman Empire had heard the gospel. Now, think about that for just a minute. The prophecy of Jesus of the destruction of Jerusalem took place 38 years after his death and resurrection. Paul was born right around the time Jesus was born. And if Paul was executed somewhere between 65 and 69 A.D., Paul would have perished. He would have been martyred before the destruction of Jerusalem. But yet both what Paul said and what Jesus said, both took place within a generation. So in this verse, Jesus mentions that his gospel would first be preached throughout the Roman Empire before the end came, meaning the end of Jerusalem, the destruction of Jerusalem. And, of course, we remember that uh, Jesus is answering the first question posed to his disciples, when shall these things be? But 
by the prophetic double reference law, he's also addressing those events that will take place in the second question when Jesus was asked, when shall these things be and what shall be the sign of thy coming? So we also know that the gospel of the kingdom is going to be preached in all the inhabited earth in our time and will continue to be preached all the way up to the rapture and church and even beyond the rapture during the tribulation period. There's going to be thousands of people saved during the great tribulation period. Whole nations will be preserved from total destruction and judgment and will allow to be uh, will allow to enter into the millennium reign because they have not fully embraced all that the Antichrist wants them to. So we see that uh, there is grace in operation during the tribulation period. Although the church has been removed and although the Holy Spirit now, the influence of the Holy Spirit through the church has been removed, still there's going to be people that are going to look and going to receive Jesus as their Savior. So uh, speaking of the end times, God's full plan of redemption is for all men to be saved. We find that in Paul's writings to Timothy. Chapter four and verse four, who will have all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. And we also conceive the long suffering of God towards the Jewish nation and delaying the destruction of Jerusalem for almost an entire generation. Now, think about this. The people that were uh, surrounded, the people that were in Jerusalem when Titus surrounded uh, the city and were locked in, these were people that were born uh, at the time or after Jesus was raised from the dead and ascended to heaven. And so if they were not influenced by the teaching of Christianity, then they had no knowledge of, uh, of the events shortly to take place. But that which the Jewish nation did, they did not personally to themselves, they did that to their nation, and we'll see this as, as we go along in this study. Now, A.T. Robinson was a noted, a very highly noted Greek scholar in the last century, and in his uh, dealings with the, the book and his exegesis of the book of Colossians, says this in his footnotes. The message, talking about the message of the gospel, has been heralded abroad over the, Empire, over the Roman Empire in a wider fashion than most people imagine. So we have an idea, but something that A.T. Robertson saw in the scriptures that gave him the conclusion that uh, the, the gospel had been preached throughout the Roman Empire to a greater degree than even what we thought. And so... What Paul is talking about here in the book of Colossians also is echoed in the Gospels of Mark, Luke, and John. We have the Great Commission in Mark, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Uh, also, uh, the, Luke records the words of Jesus and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among all nations beginning at Jerusalem. Jerusalem had the privilege of hearing the gospel first. John 20 uh, verse 21, uh, Jesus said to the disciples, peace be unto you as my father has sent me, even so send I you. So we also remember, too, that the catastrophic events that the Jews uh, found themselves in was due to their rejection of the Messiah. How many times did the prophets warn of this coming destruction? 
How many times did Jesus warn of impending judgment if they refused to believe on him? He preached to the Jews for three and a half years, and the church preached to the Jews for all for 40 years. Jewish nation, just like the prophets foretold, they were a stiff necked, they were a rebellious house, and they have suffered in the past, and they do suffer even today for their hardness of heart and for their unbelief. But Paul said this in writing to the Roman church in chapter 11, verse 26, that in the end, all Israel shall be saved. So even though God has severely judged his people, he has not cast them away forever. Amen. Now, verse 15, and when you therefore shall see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet stand in the holy place, in parentheses, whoso readeth, let him understand. Now, the abomination or an abomination speaks of something that is wicked, something that is idolatrous, something that is diametrically opposed to the things of God, something that is connected to idols and to idol worship. Desolation now speaks to us of defilement, De to defile something that God has consecrated as holy. And in the book of Daniel, the abomination of desolation has was mentioned and ha is mentioned three times. Daniel 8, 13, then I heard one saint speaking and, and another saint said unto that certain saint which spake, how long shall be the vision concerning the daily sacrifice and the transgression of desolation to give both the sanctuary and the host to be trodden underfoot? That's Daniel 8, 13. Daniel 9, 27, the 70th week prophecy. And he shall confirm the covenant with many for one week. And in the midst of the week, he shall cause the sacrifice and oblation to cease. And for the overspreading of the abominations, he shall make it desolate even until the consummation that determined shall be poured upon the desolate. And then finally in Daniel twelve eleven, and from the time that the daily sacrifice shall be taken away and the abomination that maketh desolate set up, there shall be a thousand two hundred and ninety days. Now, Antiochus Epiphanes uh, is the reference point here to Daniel's abomination of desolation. He defiled the temple in Jerusalem, and he intended to wipe the Jewish religion, religious worship of Jehovah off the map and, and force uh, the people of, of, uh, of Israel to worship the Greek gods. He defiled the temple of God. He built an altar to Zeus and he sacrificed swine flesh upon it. But in 167 BC, Mattathias Maccabeus killed a Jew who went forward to offer swine flesh in the hometown where the aged priest resided. Mattathias also killed the Assyrian official who was presiding over the sacrifice, and this act of rebellion spawned a civil war that ultimately the Jews won in defeating the Syrian oppression. Now, that's, we, that is history. We know that to be a fact, and of course, everything in the Bible is fact. It's just word, it's just things that have not been taken place yet, but will as time goes on. Now, in 167 B.C., the Maccabeans, they recaptured Jerusalem and they cleansed the temple. And the very same year, Antiochus Epiphanes died. Now, is that a judgment or is that a judgment? Most assuredly, it is. Now, Jesus' use 
of the title Abomination of Desolation would naturally be familiar with all the disciples that the Lord uh, that he was talking to because they were very familiar with Jewish history. And of course, they understood that uh, Jesus is speaking of them of the time to come when the temple in Jerusalem would be thrown down, not one stone left upon another. Well, that hadn't that hadn't happened yet, but it did in 70 A.D. The Romans, they starved the city of Jerusalem. Uh, many. Th- oh, I'm telling you, there was a multitudes of people that died of starvation. Men, women, children. I would say more than those that were killed resisting the Roman armies. They finally, the Romans breached the walls. They destroyed the city and well over one million Jewish men, women and children were killed. They set fire to the temple and they burned it to the ground. And the Romans, after the temple was destroyed, they moved their standard to the temple mount and they made acclamations of of victory to their general for this great victory. Now, these prophetic words of Jesus point us to the future abomination. Also, there will be an Antichrist who will rise up. He will negotiate with the Jews to construct a third temple. We know that from Paul's writings. Now, in the middle of the tribulation period, he's going to desecrate that temple. He's going to move into it. He's going to claim himself to be God, and he's going to force everyone to worship him. Now, we know that in Paul's writing, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. Now, we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and by our gathering together unto him, that you be not shaken in mind or be troubled neither by spirit nor by word, nor by letter, as from us, as that day of Christ is at hand. Let no man deceive you by any means. For that day shall not come, except there come a falling away first, and that man of sin be revealed the son of perdition, who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God or that is worship. Now, I want to make a point right here. Notice once again, In verse 3, let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come except there come a falling away first. What we see happening today is a result of the lessening of influence that the church has over society. A lot of it is because of prophetic utterance that the prophets of old and the prophets in the church uh, knew and and spake of the times that uh, we are living in now, that uh, the church is going to lose its influence over society. Now, that doesn't mean that the church is weak. All that means is that society is, because it's made up of fallen people, fallen men, fallen women, that uh, they are going to cast off the restraints of Scripture, and they're going to begin to live their life their own way. I did that as a teenager. I concluded that religion, Christianity, was in, was just driving me crazy. So I threw it off, and I was determined to live my own life. Well, I, I was just a, a symptom of what society was coming to. <clears throat> and there is going to be a falling away. And as the grip, uh, as the influence of the church grows less and less, uh, evil is going to get greater and greater. And then this falling away could imply also the rapture of the church. 
And so Paul says once again, uh, in verse 3, let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come except there come a falling away first, and that man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition, talking about the tribulation period, who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God, or that is worship, so that he as God, sitting in the temple of God, shows himself that he is God. Remember you not that when I was yet with you, I told you these things, and now you know what withholders, or we could say it this way, and now you know what hinders that he might be hindered until reaped, uh, know what withholded that he might be revealed in his time. For the mystery of iniquity doth already work. Only he who now letteth, excuse me, that that's the word hinders. Only he who now hinders will hinder until he be taken out of the way. Now, when the church is taken out of the way, the Holy Spirit and the power uh, that is working through the church uh, to um, to keep evil from taking over will also be taken out of the way. That doesn't mean that the Holy Spirit is going to be taken out of the earth. He's not, because there are there are thousands of multitudes of people that are going to be saved during the tribulation period. And what does that mean? That means that God is going to have to do a work in their heart. Amen. And Holy Spirit is the one that does that work in people's hearts. Now, verse eight says, and then shall that wicked be revealed whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth and shall de destroy with the brightness of his coming. Even him whose coming is after the working of Satan with all power and signs and lying wonders and with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish because they receive not the love of the church, uh, love of the truth that they might be saved. So this passage reveals to us that there is going to be a construction of a third temple, and it'll be during the tribulation period. But we also see something else, that during this time, even during the seven years of tribulation, the Lord is giving men an opportunity to repent. Notice the last words of Paul in verse 10, that they might be saved. That is speaking the same thing that Paul uh, spoke to Timothy, that God's will is for all men to be saved. But it's man's choice. That's the part of salvation that must be understood. Man can choose to reject that which God is speaking. And if he refuses to receive Christ as Savior, if he refuses to bow his knee, then he's going to have to suffer the consequences for it. God is not charged from that. Charged for that. Verse 16. Amen. The church is charged with preaching the gospel. Amen. Praise God. All right, now verse 16. Now look, look, let's look here in this passage concerning fleeing from the wrath to come. Verse 16 says this, then let them which be in Judea flee into the mountains. Jesus here is speaking to Judea. That's the capital hub of Israel. That's where Jerusalem is. So he's speaking not just to Judea, but he's also speaking to the inhabitants, the, the religious authority that is in Jerusalem. And he's speaking here of the reference. Notice the double reference. He's speaking here of the reference to the invasion of the Roman armies. But Jesus is also speaking to the unbelieving Jews, not only who failed to believe and receive Jesus as their Messiah, but this leads all the way up to the desecration of the temple in the middle of the tribulation period. So this is a double reference. 
a reference to the offense to the events of 70 AD, but also to the events that will transpire in the middle of the tribulation period when the Antichrist defiles the third temple. Now, verses 17 through 20, and let him which is on the housetop not come down to take away out of his own house. Neither let him which is in the field return back to take his clothes. And woe unto them that are with child and to them that give suck in those days. Pray ye therefore that your flight be not in the winter, neither on the Sabbath day. Now, according to A.T. Robertson in his notes on the Gospel of Matthew, the Christians, and this comes from Eusebius, that the Christians actually fled to Pella at the foot of the mountains about 17 miles south of the Sea of Galilee. Why? Because they remembered the warnings of Jesus to flee for safety. They had heard of the rumors of war coming out of the north, how the Roman army was marching into Israel, defeating stronghold after stronghold in a way, you know, in their path to get to Jerusalem. And so they heeded that warning and they fled. Those Jews who heard the same warnings did not because they did not believe Jesus was the son of God. So in both um, verse 16, when Jesus is speaking of Judea and verse 20, when he's speaking of the Sabbath day, they all speak of the locality of the events that are going to take place in the nation of Israel. But we also understand that we're also, Jesus is also forecasting what's going to take place in the end of days. So the admonition of Jesus to his disciples that when the Jewish people see the abomination of desolation stand in the holy place. Now, this is important. Stand in the holy place. They are to immediately flee for safety. Well, the Christian population did. The Jewish population, because of their unbelief, did not. Now, Robertson also says that in Matthew 24, 16 through 20, in his, in his commentary, that this is an allusion to the Romans who would destroy Jerusalem and defile the temple, burning it to the ground. And Daniel chapter 9, verse 27, the abomination now, the Antichrist makes a covenant with many for one week. That means seven years. Well, neither Vespasian nor Titus made such a covenant. They didn't make a covenant with the nation of Israel. But yet the abomination of desolation will. So it has to, So Daniel has to be prophesying of the end time during the tribulation period. Also, we see that in the middle of this week, that the abomination of desolation causes the sacrifice and the oblation to cease. Now, Titus did cause the sacrifice and oblation to cease because uh, he invaded the he invaded Jerusalem and he burned the temple down to the ground. But Titus did not stand in the holy place. Now, his standard was, but he was not. But he did not stand in the holy place. Amen. And he did not declare himself to be God. That honor was for Caesar's and Caesar only, not for Titus. So, and it's very interesting to note also that this great Jewish revolt began in 66 AD. And what people do not understand and, and probably do not realize is that, the that this revolt was finally put down on April the 15th, 70 AD, 73 AD with the destruction of Masada, the last remnants of the Jewish revolt. 
which is seven years. So Daniel's prophecy of the weak years, one week of seven years, not only was fulfilled in 70 AD, but also forecast the seven years of tribulation that are going to take place in the future, in our future. Now, once again, let's let's look at Daniel 9, 27. And he shall confirm the covenant with many for one week. And in the midst of the week, he shall cause the sacrifice and the oblation to cease. And for the overspreading of abominations, he shall make it desolate even until the consummation and that determined shall be poured upon the desolate. Now, another translation says this. He will confirm a covenant with many for one seven. In the middle of the seven, he will put an end to sacrifice and offering. And on the wing of the temple, he will set up an abomination that causes desolation until the end that is decreed is poured out on him. Once again, another translation. That ruler will have a firm agreement with many people for seven years. And when half this time is passed, he will put an end to sacrifices and offerings. The awful horror will be placed on the highest point of the temple and will remain there until the one who put it there meets the end which God has prepared for him. Now, there's only two other translations, the New American Standard and the American Standard Version translate consummation as a complete destruction. So most do not. So Daniel 27 speak, is speaking of the complete destruction of the temple that took place on 70 A.D., but also of the future defiling of the third temple in the tribulation period by the Antichrist himself. Now, once again, neither Titus nor Vespasian, who was the Caesar, neither of them made a seven-year covenant with Israel but the Antichrist will. So, what are we looking at? Well, we're looking at Daniel's 70-week prophecy speaking specifically of the Antichrist in Revelation chapter 13. Matthew 24 is speaking not only of the destruction of Jerusalem in 70 AD, but also of the things that are going to transpire during the tribulation period. So the events of 70 A.D. that Matthew mentions in Matthew 24, verses 4 through 8, are found in a similar instance in the events of John's apocalypse in chapter 6, 2 through 8. What Matthew records takes place in 70 A.D., and what John records is still in our future. And it will take place beginning in the tribulation period. So once again, we see the double reference. Jesus is warning those in Judea, and he's also warning us about uh, the coming tribulation period. And of course, what John records is a confirmation exactly of what uh, Jesus told his disciples back during Passion Week before he was offered up. And once again, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 2 and 3, and we'll end right here. For yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. 
For when they shall say peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them as travail upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. This speaking of the day of the Lord begins the very day of the rapture of the church and does not end until the millennial period. And I want to say this to those of you that are listening to this broadcast. If you don't know Jesus as Savior, the time to accept him right now is right now. Don't wait. Don't wait another minute. Bow your heads. Ask Jesus as you repent of sin. Ask Jesus to come into your heart and life. And he will do that if you pray that by faith. And if you mean it, Jesus Christ will come into your heart and life and make you a brand new person inside. God bless you. Amen. Do you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that if you were to die today, that you would be prepared for heaven? If you're not sure, then I encourage you to pray this prayer with me. Father God, I come to you through your Son, Jesus Christ. I repent and ask you to forgive me of my sin and cleanse me from all unrighteousness. I surrender my heart and life to you. By faith, I believe I receive you as my Lord and Savior, and I thank you for receiving me in Jesus' name. Amen. If you prayed this prayer and desire to know more about the gift of Christ that the Heavenly Father offers you, then email us at rbtc86 at gmail.com. We will be glad to answer your questions promptly and provide you at your request with materials that will help you to grow in your faith in the Lord Jesus. This is Patsy Dunning. Thank you for listening to our broadcast today. And let me remind you to tune in to this station at the same time next week to hear more of the wonderful words of life. God bless you and remember what Jesus said. It is the Spirit who gives life.